0: All right. Super Tuesday today. I uh, hope you voted or you plan to vote later today. Tomorrow morning, first thing, we are going to be dropping a special episode of Yolitics all about the election here in Texas. But today we are talking about something else that is on a lot of people's minds, and that is coronavirus. Yeah,
1: we have a buddy, a former colleague that we used to work with who lives in Beijing, and we've been watching him post on Facebook, and he is in a self-imposed Quarantine there. He's not sick. He doesn't have this. He's just told to stay at home. Yeah, his name's Jonathan Betts, living in a bubble. He's 14 hours ahead of us. It's super late there. Let's see if we can get him on FaceTime. There he is. What's up, man?
2: Oh, hey, guys. It's hey Jasons. The how, two are Jasons.
1: how are you doing? The big <laughs> now, yeah, Let's ask how you're doing
2: hanging in there.
1: Are are you scared, Jonathan, of this coronavirus?
2: No, I'm not scared of the virus, actually, to be completely clear. I'm not worried about the virus. I'm not worried about my health. Um, Why not? um, That's a good question. I probably should be. Everyone else in my life is worried. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Are are you getting calls from Um, Texas about making sure you're okay, I guess?
2: Oh, everyone. Everyone in my life is worried. Everyone. Everyone wants me to come back home to Texas. My family is completely distraught. Uh, No one really understands why I'm here, why I'm staying. I'm not worried about the virus, actually. I think if you're smart, I think if you take care of yourself, I think if you perform, you know, good hygiene, I I don't think, you know, you really have to be too concerned.
1: Hey, so you're in uh, quarantine, That not because you're sick, they just want you to make sure that you take two weeks to burn this off just in case
2: yeah that's about right um i'm on day eight or nine i think of this self quarantine here at home it's interesting almost everyone in beijing is being encouraged to go into quarantine to try to control this virus everything is closed for the most part very few restaurants are open very few businesses are open you go out on the streets, it looks like a ghost town, especially considering this is a city of 20 million people. I
0: mean, wow. I think most people here in Texas would probably hear, oh, you know, you have to not go to work for two weeks. That sounds great. It's got to be a lot harder than it sounds, though, especially when you're almost confined to your house.
2: Yeah, no, it's not great. <laughs> Let me tell you, you think it's a two week vacation? No, it is no vacation. It is not fun. I would much rather be at work. I would much rather be able to go to a Starbucks, be able to go to the grocery store um, without any issues, to be able to go shopping, to be able to go to the gym. When your whole world is an apartment, especially in a foreign country where I don't speak the language, it's very isolating. Yeah, being in quarantine is no joke. It's not a lot of fun.
1: You can still order food to your house, but it's a little different from normal.
2: Yeah, so China's economy really is e-commerce. It's all about deliveries. Everything is delivered, and that's kind of a blessing when you have an outbreak right now. (laughs) Um, They're sealing off apartment complexes, apartment compounds, and you have to go to the gate to collect your deliveries.
0: We're certainly not looking at anything like that in America right now. But if it came to something like that, how do you think Americans would handle that? It's been fairly uh, orderly there in China, but there have been some issues with it.
2: Yeah, I'm an American. I'm used to my freedom. I'm used to my individuality. And those are not things that are necessarily prioritized during these times here in China. Um, I cannot imagine anyone trying to quarantine or lock down a city of 11 million people, that's about the size of Los Angeles. Can you imagine if the U.S. government told Los Angeles, we are shutting everything down, you cannot come in and out, all flights are canceled, all trains are canceled, the highways are closed, you cannot take a taxi, I mean, that's a huge, huge, adjustment, I cannot imagine this working anywhere but in China.
0: Are you able to download Yolitix there fairly easily?
2: I haven't tried yet. <laughs> you, you have to subscribe. Shame on you! Oh, got some time. <laughs> yeah, I should be able to download it pretty easily. It shouldn't be an issue. Well,
1: you have six more days of quarantine, so you can stock up on your Yaltix episodes, man.
0: The, one, the ones you missed. Start binge listening.
2: <laughs> I do. I need to catch up on to. I'm sorry, I haven't done that yet. <laughs> Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. I'm
3: good, why have you? Had who's sitting here?
1: This is, right here. Yeah, yeah. this is your seat right here. Yeah, this
2: is your seat right here. There's a tea there. No, that's, that's not a oh, tea. Got
1: that's a root that's, beer. All right, that's a root beer for you, Judge.
3: Come on, man. Who would give away? Alcohol yeah.
1: for Lynn. Why would you do that?
3: The idea is you're supposed to give away something that you you know you think about occasionally with myths, and would miss. Then yeah. you think about the Lord and the plight of the world and all that during that time. Are you missing alcohol then? So yeah, about five o'clock. I think about <laughs> the Lord and the plight of the world
0: and all that stuff. We are at Victory Plaza, South Victory, they call it now, uh, right there in front of the American Airlines Center where the Mavericks play basketball. There's a brand new huge establishment called Hero next to that, and we are sitting out on the patio today having a beer, uh, and we're about to get into Are We Prepared? for the right. eventuality that this could happen uh, in Texas. And we've got a guy who knows all about preparedness for things like this, uh, Dallas County Judge Clay Jenkins. We're going to be speaking with him in just a moment.
1: He's also uh, the Homeland Security Director for Dallas County, too. He
0: has kind right. of two hats he wears there. Those are
1: two big hats, too. I don't know why he'd want that, and especially you know, give up alcohol for Lent.
0: Yeah, we're going to get into that, too. Uh, But first, I want to hear about this. So you took a little side trip uh, to Baylor uh, Hospital here in uh, just east of downtown Dallas and spoke with someone who is on the front lines uh, when it comes to uh, epidemiology. This is a guy named
1: Dr. Clinton Haley. He's an infectious disease doctor, but he also plays a pretty big part when something big happens like what we're seeing now with coronavirus. For example, he worked for the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, during the SARS epidemic, uh, what, more than a decade ago. He's working closely now with the state and local health departments during, you know, this epidemic that we're having here. So I asked him, you know, I'm seeing in the headlines all the time, this looks, you know, pretty damn
0: worrying. Yeah, more and more so as we keep reading.
4: Obviously so. So I asked him, are you scared? Here's what he said to us. Yeah, I would be concerned, but at the same time... uh, Let's be rational and go about our business. And I think we have a good preparation in the sense that we've been taught through influenza, cough in your elbow, good hand washing. Um, If you are sick with a fever, stay home. So you said that I should be concerned about this. But for people listening, for me, what should I be doing? Should I be stocking up on face masks right now? Because I can't find them on Amazon. Um, you know, I, I think that at this point it's too early to tell. I know that healthcare personnel are going to need that. They'll be the front line. so it's important that hospitals have that. Is Texas ready for this? So I think people just need to be prepared and kind of wrap their minds around, maybe my kid's gonna have to stay home from school for a couple of weeks if it really hits our you know community hard. Uh, what's that going to be like? I wonder, you know, if, if our school has thought about that? Are there assignments that we can do outside? Well, what about work? Can I potentially work remotely from home? Start wrapping your mind around those types of interventions that might be called upon by public health officials. You've heard probably on cable news and maybe read in the
1: paper that this is just like the common cold. to a virus like, you know, influenza. Right. And Dr. Haley said, eh, it's a little worse yeah. than the common cold. True, like the common cold, there's not one medicine that treats it you know, and, and solves it, but this is different because people are actually dying.
0: So let's bring in Dallas County Judge Clay Jenkins, and you're the perfect person to talk to about this because you know all about what it's like to respond to an outbreak that really gets the public... Uh, in some cases panicked i mean you dealt with ebola when we had the first uh traveler to the united states diagnosed with ebola uh here in dallas back in 2014 do you feel a sense of deja vu right now as you hear all of these things going on about coronavirus
3: in some ways yeah uh, the the over worry is the deja vu um but you know we're very fortunate that we're way ahead of this um We got great screening at the airport.
0: There was no real blueprint for how to deal with this when when we were dealing with Ebola back in 2014. Were there lessons learned in that that you feel like you could take forward into this if we did have a coronavirus outbreak here?
3: Oh, absolutely. So a lot of what we did in Ebola became the blueprint for future outbreaks. Uh, I get phone calls daily now And monthly up until now so a lot of those are lessons learned but they're also incorporated now in the CDC guidelines and plans that you can get at cdc.gov I don't want to jinx us here here in Texas yeah but do you think
1: it's just a matter of time before we start getting cases here
3: yeah it's a cause for concern for those of us in public health Uh, now as far as people going out and spending 10 or 20 times the normal price for a mask or doing all of these things that a lot of folks are doing, there's not really a need for you to do that. If you've, if you've got a mask, it makes you feel more you know secure to know you've got a box of masks in your house, don't throw them away but you don't need to go buy them.
0: A lot has been said about the messaging that's coming from the federal government now that we can't, you know, we're not necessarily hearing directly from scientists or the CDC that the messaging is now being funneled through the vice president's office who's heading up this effort. Do you have thoughts on that? Because there has been criticism about that.
3: That's a mistake. I'll I'll be blunt because I hope this quickly changes. Uh, There seems to be a concern in Washington about the stock market. Hey, we all have 401ks. I'm concerned about that too. But the most important thing that we can do is let the career professionals at the CDC get us the accurate information directly to the press without it going through a filter and get it directly to me and Dr. Wong and the people on the front lines uh, that are doing what's necessary to keep people safe. We need transparency. Transparency is the way you keep people calm. When you put things through a centralized political spin machine, that's the opposite of transparency it leads to more angst with people and it makes our jobs tougher
0: and just to be clear here we're not taking pot shots uh, at one party or the other because you know that's a Republican administration in Washington we've also got a Republican administration in Austin and and your feeling right now is that the state has been yeah. on top of this yeah,
3: the state's doing everything that they uh, need to do I want to ever criticize anyone during a crisis and I hope it's not perceived so much as criticism as it is a plea to open up the information to the press so they can get it to the people and let us get the information unfiltered um, by elected leaders in in, uh, Washington and their cabinet. Let us just get it from the healthcare professionals at CDC and National Institute of Health so we can all work together. If you look at the way that Rick Perry uh, worked seamlessly with, with myself and with Mayor Rawlings uh, during uh, Ebola, or the way that uh, Rick Perry worked uh, with uh, me and the mayor again in West Nile Virus in 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Um, politics doesn't come into play when it comes to keeping people safe, but the idea of bottlenecking off the press and holding on to the information and not getting it to us is a mistake that needs to be uh, changed. Are
0: quicker. we prepared for being able to identify cases quickly like you're seeing in places like South Korea where they've been very aggressive about that?
3: It's taking a little too long for me as far as I would I would prefer to get the test back. Governor Abbott said that Texas has been working on this for a month. You sound like you guys are way down the tracks in Dallas County. <laughs> what aren't we doing? I talked to some college professors at a meeting this morning and they're all Doing this, everybody's putting together a plan for what would happen. Did you talk to professors about this this morning? I'm so, I'm, I meant presidents, not presidents. I'm sorry, but um, yeah, we talked about this this morning. Here, here's the thing, though. We need to think about in our businesses and also our homes what's our plan if something happens. Just as you don't go get in the bathtub in Dallas if there's a tornado in Waco. But if, if we did have one sick person that was contained at one hospital in the Metroplex, it does not mean all the schools need to shut down. Everybody needs to do their work from Facebook uh, or FaceTime and the school that people don't do their work. T- 10, 20 years ago, no business had an active shooter plan. no schools had an active shooter plan. Now it's almost like, you know, malpractice not to have an active shooter plan.
0: Well, now, when you talk about plans, though, you're on the front lines here and you've been down in the trenches with some fairly serious things uh, in the past. Uh, How much of this is planning for what could happen uh, with coronavirus and how much of this is planning for the possible panic that could happen with, with ordinary everyday people who are just jarred by this?
3: Yeah, it's about, you know, uh, half and half, really, because um, when people are panicked, they rarely make good decisions, right? And so they decide, for instance, to hoard medical, uh, you know, supplies. And so, for instance, my niece came to see me. Uh, Her flight got in uh, last night, and she's uh, pregnant and carrying around her one-year-old baby or nearly one-year-old on her hip and she's telling me she's a nurse at a hospital that her hospital in another state are completely out of mask and they don't have any and that doesn't please me to know that this nurse uh, who's pregnant doesn't have the protection you know of her mask in the hospital where she needs it
0: have you heard of anything like that happening here at all
3: well, another relative who came over is a big group of relatives staying at my house. Yeah, what's going on this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> just barbecue? Fam- families in town. Okay. Right? Uh, <laughs> so, brought over a big box of masks and offered me some. I just smiled and said, "No, we didn't need any." But, but um, you know, it's, I think it's normal for people to want to do that. But that's just one of those things. So, like in Ebola, I had to ask the military to get me some gloves because all the gloves in America were gone. Wow, we were the only people with the Ebola outbreak. But because all 50 states were preparing for their Ebola outbreak by ordering 10 times as much supplies as they need, it completely shut down the supply chain. So it's just, you know, it's a cascading thing. Public health always being first, but dealing with that panic being a close second.
1: You mentioned the gloves there and Ebola, and I remember... Before you walked up to the microphone, we started talking about this. I remember that you did something that shocked the hell out of all of us.
0: Yeah, you, uh, when we had the Ebola patient here and the family, his family obviously had to be relocated somewhere because that, you know, we're talking about the apartment there where he'd been, and you went in with no protection.
3: So, what had happened was Mike Rawlings came into my office. We're all former Dallas mayor. Former Dallas mayor. We're all uh, kind of hunkered down at uh, Dallas County. Uh, Emergency Operations Center and he'd been talking to Wolf not Wolf Blitzer was an Anderson Cooper for three or four days guy who was just a huge pain in our butt (laughs) And uh, so sorry I doubt you're listening uh, Anderson but you were an incredible alarmist pain in the butt Um, so uh, at any rate he said give me something meaningful to do other than talk to these interesting gentlemen so I said, well, can we find, you know, some place for this family to live? And first we tried to talk Gunnar Rawlings, his son, into letting us uh, put him at his house. Hmm. The mayor's son. Yeah, Mickey put the kibosh on that. And his wife. Well, the mayor's wife. On on his that. wife, yeah. Probably a smart but move. Then um, <laughs> that was, a, you know, originally when I went to get them, so I said to the police, go get them, you know, and put them at, at Gunnar's house. It was a house that was being renovated for Gunnar to live in, hmm. but Gunnar hadn't moved in yet.
0: This was a real plan. This was a
3: real plan. Yeah, it was, you know, uh, like, you know, Clay and Mike's, you know, uh, real audibles, right?
0: People were scared of this family, though. They didn't want this family to be anywhere because they thought they might have it, too.
3: Well, right, but the family was scared of all the people surrounding them, and we were getting death threats Mm that— People in the in the in the complex itself in the neighborhood wanted to burn their house down because they mm. thought that wow. would like protect them from disease. So we need to get this woman and her children out of that house. So I'd ask some first responders to do it. They're the bravest, you know, men and women in the world. And I told them we don't need to wear PPEs because we're telling people. Until what, what are those you, PPEs? A, a personal protective equipment. Yeah. Because we're telling people that you can only with Ebola. This this new disease is different, but with Ebola. You only transfer the disease when you're symptomatic, when you have a certain fever and you're shedding sweat and, and, you know, sick. None of these people were sick. And we knew that because we're we're taking their temperature at least twice a day, and in reality about eight times a day with that family. So we knew they weren't sick. And they said, you know, we're uncomfortable. We can't really go home to our wives, you know, if that happens and this is, you know, a problem. So I said, well, I'll just, I'll go do it, right? What'd your wife say? Uh, Well, I didn't tell her. (laughs) Which, by the way, wow. that's a lesson learned in the, in the coronavirus. the yeah, that's a lesson learned. In the coronavirus plan, it's tell the wife, right? Tell her first. Tell her first. Number don't, one. Don't let her see it on television. <laughs> Is that how she saw it? She saw it on television at a, at a fundraiser for school children uh, when somebody said, Hey, isn't that your husband going oh, into oh that Ebola house? You on the couch
1: for a few days, I presume.
3: Yeah. I mean, she came out of the house when I got home at 10 o'clock that night, like J.J. Watt on a an unprotected quarterback. She was at the, the window of my truck, banging on the window. The oh lady God. across the street came out to ask my wife if she was okay. Oh, wow. And oh I was God. like, is she okay? I'm the one about to get killed. But so, you know, that's why we did that. and. Um, you know also i knew that with a family you're dealing with a mom and three kids right they were reluctant to leave they didn't know where were were they being taken to a jail cell or somewhere where they weren't going to be free to move around their stuff was there as as uncomfortable it is, as it is to be trapped in an apartment at least they had their toys and their stuff there right so that wasn't an easy thing to do and it's a lot easier to convince people when you're not dressed in a space suit.
1: Well, let's also set the record straight in a lot of this, too. I I want to bring back in the doctor that we talked to, Dr. Clinton Haley. He said a few things that surprised me. Um, The question I asked him was, who's most susceptible on this? And he said something about China, Wuhan, China, where this originated, that more men than women have been affected. Mm -hmm. And there's an interesting theory behind why, and that's because men over there smoke a lot. And they also have bad air quality in China, like we've seen so much of. Um, but he said
4: something else. The doctor said something else. Take a listen. Kids under the age of 15 really have not had serious illness. Um, From the coronavirus? Correct. Huh. Correct. So mild, cold-like symptoms, like like you mentioned. The older folks, um, you know, probably 65 and older are the ones that might have a, a, a tougher go of it and, and where where we're seeing a number of the deaths. Now, were there younger deaths? Absolutely. And that that happens in influenza as well. Sometimes we we can't explain why somebody takes a severe turn as opposed to somebody else who doesn't. Now, there isn't a medicine, as we discussed, to
1: physically treat coronavirus right Right. now.
0: That's part of the fear, that big part of the fear. That's
1: a huge part of the fear driving a lot of this. You can't go down to Walgreens or CVS or somewhere and get something to, to handle it. But Dr. Clinton Haley said there's HIV medicine that's actually helping it. And it's a a specific medicine that's shown some promise called Calitra and it's working with some of the
4: patients. HIV is a virus, right? So uh, what we use to treat HIV with are antivirals. So this particular one called Calitra is thought to perhaps be promising. So they are doing a study in China right now trying to enroll, I believe, 200 patients. So the, the bottom line takeaway I asked from the doctor before I took off from his office, he had patients to see, uh, is what should Texans take away from this conversation? Are you nervous? I am vigilant. So I am trying to tell my friends and family and patients that uh, we need to stay up to date on, on the latest news of this, um, not be alarmist, but really try to equate what we're gonna do with what we do for influenza. I think that on the lighter end, cases come, and you know, hopefully, just like a lot of these respiratory viruses, they could be seasonal. So as the warmer weather comes, flu goes away, common colds typically dwindle, so could this novel coronavirus. Now that's the, the rosy end, and hopefully that will happen. But on the other end, you know, it could come here and cause a lot of significant illness, and that's what I think we need to re- be prepared for. So I don't think we need to go out and buy a bunch of masks right now, and, and you know, alarm our uh, kids. But at the same time, pay attention about what what, what might be expected. So my money is on the rosy end.
0: It's a good thing that we can't, uh, shouldn't go out and buy the masks right now because you can't. As, as you mentioned, you can't find them. Uh, judge judge you know, Jenkins has some at his house. Well, he could have had
1: one, but he turned it down. We actually have listeners from uh, other parts of the states and around the world, too. So thanks if you're not listening in Texas. But a quick explanation, a county judge, which you are, is the chief executive of counties in Texas. Think of them like the mayors or the president of a county. They call him county judges in Texas. I don't know where that originated, but he doesn't sit on a bench, he sits on the commissioner's court and leads that. That's why we interviewed the county judge here and that's why we keep addressing him as judge as well.
0: Judge, thanks for uh, doing this with us today. I know that it's a busy time right now as you're you know dealing with the preparations and all the big conference calls that are happening and uh, we really appreciate you sitting down with us and we'll have to do it again maybe next time we invite Anderson Cooper to join us in the question. We, we should okay. and, and
3: and also maybe have a real beer next time yeah, too. Yeah, next time <laughs> let's not do it during Lent, okay? <laughs> let's not have a beer podcast during Lent, okay? Then yeah, invite Anderson back. I'd love to see our old buddy Anderson. <laughs> All right, Judge, thanks, and uh, thank you guys for listening as
1: well.